Well, good afternoon, Samuel. We are again here talking about the Ten Commandments, which is a study that we've been doing over the last few weeks. And uh, yes, good welcome. Good afternoon, Alida. Yeah, it's good to have you. <laughs> Just to recap a little bit on what we were talking about last week, we were looking yeah. at the Third Commandment, uh, which yeah. starts in Exodus 20 um, from verse 7. You shall yeah. not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, it was interesting. Um, we were talking about a number of things, but but as, as people of God, there is a perception um, that if we're Christians, then Christian people behave in a particular way. Um, and, you know, we would obey the commandments and what happens in the Bible. Obviously, over, over time, some of that... Um, has not necessarily happened. And this commandment in that sense has been broken because people have, um, for instance, the whole thing of the controversy around the church of the, the priests that had abused children and the things that happened within the church. Um, these people really broke this commandment because they were putting themselves out as godly people, but they misused the name that they were representing by actually going against his will. Isn't that what we were? Yes. That was what we were talking about last week. Yes. So, so what you basically recap there uh, is, uh, if you will, the the application of the commandment as you bring it into our uh, day to day. So often, what I what I do is start by you know explicating the commandment. Uh, you see, the the word used there uh, in Hebrew says, "You shall not carry the name of the Lord your God in vain." Uh, you know, instead of you shall not take the name of the Lord, but you shall not carry. And of course, NIV says you shall not misuse, which is quite appropriate. What it means uh, is that, you know, uh, the remember the, the, the these people uh, who came out of Egypt uh, were the only people at the time, uh, and the only people, not even at the time, just the only people that knew uh, the God who created the universe the true God, and is yes. the only people to whom he had revealed himself to, mm. and in a sort of personal way, even gave to Moses his name, I am that I am, and he revealed himself to Abraham, and he was the God of Isaac and Jacob. So they basically were known around all the other uh, nations there that they had a particular God. So if they did something, uh, that was not really in line with what God had prescribed, they would be said, okay, well, those people, they are the people of this God, and this is what they have done. So you can therefore see that from the macro, from within the region where they were, you see, if you look at ancient Near Eastern history, you'll find out that most of these people, they each nation had sort of a deity that was the man deity okay yeah. for example the egyptian would have you know isis or osiris um you will have the philistine will have you know uh you know baal for example um or they'll have dagon as the, the 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 sort of the man deity uh within that culture so the children of israel if you see from the, the proceeding of the first commandment I am the Lord your God, and there is no other, there's no other God, I am the Lord. And and then he goes on to say, well, you know, um, 
they shall not be to you the God of others. So because you are a special people, you're set apart, you have one God, and that's that. So wherever you go, you carry the reputation of the, of the God to whom you belong. Yes, exactly. So, exactly. So on a macro level, they had to behave themselves in such a way that it was different from all the other nations around them. Mm. It is even the reason why God had said to Abraham, I'm going to take your descendants out of here, and the Canaanites are going to continue to sin, and the sin is going to come to the point of no return, and I'm going to judge them, and I'm going to bring you back your people here, but they have to therefore not do what the Canaanites used to do. You see? Yeah. So they were a people set apart, if you see uh, from that standpoint. So they were therefore carrying the name of the Lord their God as a, a, a nation that was set apart from all the other nations. Yes. That's point to remember. Because those who were on the program uh you know last week know that that's the that's the line we're taking. Yeah. Uh, the second thing there to remember is that as they carried the name of the Lord as God's representative across that region, they also individually from within the nation carried the name of the Lord their God. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, uh, they had to make sure that every transaction that happened, whether it's transaction between parents and children, transaction between neighbors, transaction between the king and, and the subject, transaction between the, the, the priest and, and, and the people, Transaction, every transaction, whether it is commercial transaction or religious transaction or social transaction, every transaction had to carry the name of the Lord. It was done in the name of the Lord. It was basically regulated by the nature of the God who set this nation, these tribes of people together. You see what I mean? This is why it was very important. They didn't have to you know, in, in this day and age, you know, when we make a transaction in Australia, you know, you you expect that that transaction is backed up by the law, yes. by our government. Yes. And so that's why you can you make the transaction in good faith, backed by the law. Yep. So in the in the case, therefore, the transaction was made backed by the fact that they belong to the same God whose moral standard is set, whose name should not be profaned, that they, nobody can go and make a transaction dishonestly while God is the center of their transactions. Yes. So and you everybody macro, understood that. Everybody understood that. That's right. Yeah. That is right. That yeah. is right. So in that sense, you have the macro, they were representative of God as a nation, and in the micro, they were representative of God to each other. Yes. This is why if they went and did things in the name of the Lord that the Lord did not, uh, did not prescribe. Think about the second commandment. They shall not be to you the God of others. In other words, don't take the practices of the other nations as practiced by their gods to adopt as yours and to stick it, to stick on it the name of the Lord your God. Yeah. So let's say somebody went and got into a covenant with uh, the neighboring nation, and they said, okay, well, let's sacrifice a human being, right? Let's mm -hmm. sacrifice a human being as a way of signing this covenant. So you are a people of God, and the people from the other side, you can't do what they do in their practices in the name of the Lord, because the Bible says that human sacrifice is an abomination unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. So this commandment 
uh, is therefore saying, don't go and engage other people in the name of the Lord your God in the practices of those people over there. Because yep. what it will do is it will bring a disrepute to the name of the Lord, of your, the God. Lord your God. It yeah. basically portrays him in things that he thinks that they are abominations because they are not in his nature. This is why this commandment, when it was uttered, they said it's the fearful commandment. It's the commandment mm -hmm. that terrified the entire universe. Why? Because God will not hold guiltless anybody who goes and tarnish his name. Yes. Now, I gave a bunch of examples uh, last time. Like, if you recommended me to somebody, uh, I'm going to go there in your name. In other words, you have put your reputation on the line. And if I went there and did something that didn't reflect you, the person to whom you sent me is going to then put you in the same category as me, who has basically violated your trust and theirs. Yes. They're going to ring and say, Alida, you sent me that guy and he stole my stuff. Yeah. So yeah. from now on, if you send somebody else in your name, guess what? They yes, will not I, be received. No, that's right. I, I don't that's trust right. you anymore. Yes. Do you see? Yeah. It is so dangerous that anybody who went in the name of the Lord and did something in the name, he would have basically prevented the Lord from entering any transaction again, even if he sent somebody of integrity later on. The transaction is, that's it. Reputation gone. Yeah. And so that is a very, very significant um so the, the, the reason for insisting on this is so that, you know, you can see how important it was. So having explained the commandment from that, that angle, then you bring it into our context today. Think about it. The reason why as believers, we don't just simply sort of carry the name of God. We are born of him. For the Christians, we are born of God. In other mm. words, we are his offspring. Now, if you're the child of somebody, as it used to be uh, in the Jewish uh, tradition, if you're the child of someone, uh, especially boys, uh, because girls were not adopted because they were going to be marrying into another family, but boys were adopted. Now, adoption that we're talking about here is not adoption like we see it in the West, where, you know, um, somebody, you know, somebody else's child, you go get them and bring them into your family, then they're adopted. That's not adoption worked in the Jewish culture. In right. the Jewish culture, the person needed to adopt their own child. You're like, what do you mean, Samuel? Okay, every child when they're born, they have to follow the ways of their parents. Why? Because the greatest treasure that a parent could give to their child is their name. Yeah. Not not money, not, not a million dollars, but to give, because if they have the reputation that they are from a good stock, a good family, wherever they go, they will succeed in business. They may not have a cent to the, in their pocket, but if they say, look, can you give me your stuff? I'm going to sell it to the market. I'm the son of such and such. And they'll go, oh, yes, that's very honest people we're dealing with. Here is the stuff, go and sell and bring me my money back. So in that sense, that's why the Bible says a good reputation is better than rubies and that than perfume of good of good price yeah. so in that sense if a child grew up and did not walk in the ways of his father then the father will reject them in other words will not do the public ceremony of adoption what was the public ceremony of adoption the father will call all the, the important people in the town and then they organize ceremony they'll be food they'll be all important people and they'll bring the, the child in the middle in the center and they will thunder these words Behold, this is my son, 
in whom I am well pleased. Receive him. Now, once he said that, it was a receive him as you would receive me, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Once he has said that, that's it. Now that boy can walk around. He can he can say, "Look, I'm coming in the name of my father." Now, if you're a Christian and you're listening to me saying this, and you're a Bible reader, you can find out that this event has happened in the life of Jesus. Yes. The ceremony right. used to happen at age thirty. At age thirty, Jesus went to be baptized, and this is coming out of the Jordan River. A voice thunders. This is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Receive him. Listen mm -hmm. to him. Listen to him, yeah. When, when you go to the mountain of transfiguration, the same thing happens. Yeah. And so it's like God the Father adopts Jesus right there. How do we know he adopts it? The Bible says, because of his obedience, Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 4, because of his obedience, he then became the source of salvation to those who obey him. This is what Jesus could say, hey, I do what my father says. I do what my father, if you know my father, you'll receive me. You see what I mean? Yes. So that is someone who then was qualified to carry, to carry, to bear the name of the one who sent him and to bear it legitimately. Yeah. So exactly. they get to be adopted. That's sort of a thought to sort of round up the things that you said uh, there. All right. And uh, we'll... We'll come back and uh, and talk a little bit more because you had a bit more to say about this particular subject. So we'll do that after we've listened to this song. So you're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And we're in the studio with uh, Samuel Chizakedi and we are talking still on the Ten Commandments. And Samuel, last week, uh, like we've just rounded up again um, the the uh, third commandment about the mis misusing of the name of the Lord. But uh, at the end of the program last week, you said, mm, there's another point that I wouldn't mind drawing out in this space, but I won't open that particular discussion just yet. So uh, what was your other thought that uh, that you wanted to bring to our listeners while we're talking about this particular commandment? Yes. Now, uh, very good. You, you've raised, um, raised something that... Um, I uh, needed to 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 address as well there, but I, I just as I was finishing that 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 last um, uh, point there, I felt like there was still a few more things I could sort of round up so so that I can you know finish. Then I'll, I'll jump in the point that you've just asked the question. Well, what it is am your I saying program. Here? You can do whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I was saying that therefore, when you look at Jesus, wanted us to be protected in the name of God. When you read John chapter 17, uh, he, he prays to the Father, he says, you gave me, you, 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 get, you, you, you gave me these and, and I protected them in your name. Mm. See, Jesus sent the disciples in his name because his name was a true representation of the name of the one who sent him. So, and so he says, keep them within your name, in the reputation you have. So that everywhere they show up, the reputation of God, the reputation of the one who sent Jesus, he is what wraps in and protects them. Now, so let me then get to uh, the application, which is where, you, where you, you started with your point there. So we as believers, I look at the believers, then I'll look at the secular society in general. Uh, in the macro as believers, we as a church, we are the only organization that is actually literally the body of Jesus. Right. We are the body of Christ. He's yeah. the head 
and we are his body. You see what I mean? Yes. So, as the body, we are to the world what Jesus is to the world. That literally we are. Mm. And that's what we should be. Therefore, if the church of God did not represent Jesus appropriately uh, in his character, in his nature, in his teachings, and so on and so forth, to the world, in the macro, what it was done is we brought a disrepute to the name of God. We should be terrified by such a thing. Mm. Yeah. For example, the adoption of all the morality, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to hammer on this. It's a violation of commandment number two, that this are not between the God of others, for example. The, the syncretization of, you know, practices of other religions and other gods and bringing it and putting the body of Christ through that is absolutely unpardonable. I'm, I'm, this entire thing was, was, was something that was called Chrislam or, or you know, coexist, yes. that kind of stuff. Yes. Mm. Syncretization of the body of Christ. It's like, can I give you a text? That it might not really speak to this context, but it makes the same point. You see, when Apostle Paul is trying to tell the Corinthians that you shouldn't commit adultery, the image he uses is quite striking. He says, would you take the body of Jesus and use it for prostitution? It's like you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So would you go and take the members of Christ and make it a, a, a you know, a, 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 an object for prostitution? That's quite striking. It's yeah. as though the, the believers who goes and engage in prostitution is literally, that's, that's Apostle Paul's word. Mm. He's, he's literally taking the body of Christ and, and getting it into that sinful, horrible, filthy abominable situation yeah so in the same way the what has made you know why our society is growing in atheism at in a, a speed that has never been seen before in the history of western society it well, is because <laughs> yeah i probably think it's mm. because we are not displaying god as we should be we're sitting on our hands right. and we are we are certainly not um uh, being the light of the world that we should be. That's right. But most importantly, the church and the believers don't have a very good reputation in terms of the way they've represented Christ, have they? No. Think about exactly what we're talking right. about, what, is, what has happened with, with the, the priests and the abuses of children. Hmm. Those things is the reason why people say, oh, church, no, nah, no. Nah. Even if God sent somebody else who's genuine, who want to talk to the, the, this person about God, is going, you... And those people that do this kind of stuff to the kids, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen to you. This is why people don't want to listen to the message of the gospel anymore. And so the person who has done that has broken the transaction of saving of souls, which is quite, Jesus came to die for the souls so that people be saved. Yes. So the person who's gone and basically misused the name of the Lord and do evil in the name of the Lord, evil, done in the name of the Lord brings a tremendous dispute in the name of the Lord. Therefore, people have become incredulous, people have become skeptical, people have gone atheistic, don't want to hear the message of the gospel. And if you ask them, they're going to say it's because of such person who was supposed to represent God did this. If yeah. this are the kind of stuff that you God tells you to do, I don't want that kind of God. Yeah, exactly. So what does heaven lose? Heaven loses a soul for whom Jesus laid his life, came down on earth and went to the cross for that soul. And that soul has been lost because 
somebody misuse the name of the Lord. You can see why it is absolutely unpardoned. It's, God will not never let anybody go get that. This is the, the scariest of all commandments. Yeah. That's the macro. Now, in the micro, here's a micro one. The micro level is that the Jews had to, every transaction had to be done with the name of the Lord in the middle. That's what made them be honest with one another, not lie, not take advantage of each other. And so the believers, Christians, should normally, when a Christian engages in a business transaction, social transaction, um, you know, religious transaction, any other transaction that a Christian engage with another Christian, they should engage in that transaction in the name of Jesus. Yeah. In that case, in that sense, no Christian will go and hurt or steal from another or, you know, you know, you know, lie or, you know, you know, bring, bring a bad reputation on another, which will bring bad reputation unto Christ. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. Now, unfortunately, I'll tell you my sister, I, I unfortunately, I'll tell you that there are now people in our society who, who are Christians. I, I had Christian leaders, business leaders who told me I'd rather make, do a business with a, a secular person, a pagan, rather than do a business with a Christian. Because they can't trust them? They, they can't trust them exactly. any more yeah. than they can trust someone who's, uh, who's not a believer? No, not only that. Christians have taken advantage of each other. Christians have hurt each other. You know, I, I have this brother, he's actually one of our brothers at church, who said to me, every time I go and do business with a Christian, they always expect to pay me less. Yeah. Because in their mind, I have to do this as a favor to them. But they don't think, but how's this guy going to pay his rent? How's this guy? If anything, the Christians should have been able to pay me more. But when I go and do business with somebody who's known Christians, they pay me a fair share. But the Christians expecting that they should get something free from me. Yeah. That's a brother at the church who told me that. Yeah. He's, he's apostle. And whenever Christians get into dispute, they don't even, because the transaction didn't start with the name of Jesus, they don't know how to sit down. Because if you start in the name of Jesus, it won't end up in a disrepute. Mm -hmm. If it's sudden in the name of Jesus, we will always bring godliness into it. It will always. Uh, here is Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. I'm going to open 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Let me read this. Basically, within the Christian, Christian uh, concept, we should have, you know, our society is full of you know, courts and laws, left, right, and center. You know why? It's because we don't respect this commandment. Okay, here is. Here is um, what uh, Paul writes to the Corinthian church. And this is what Paul, Paul writes. Um, he goes, if any one of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge tri trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge the angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have dispute about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge dispute between believers but instead one brother takes another to court and this in front of unbelievers yeah exactly 
So what I'm saying, in a micro level, normally the fact that now, look at our society, the Western world, uh, we've got courts and courts, laws are written left and right center. You know why? Because the believers have stopped putting, you know, Jesus and God in the center of every single one of their transactions. So if you wanted to build a better, good society, therefore you need a society that put the name of the Lord and carry the name of the Lord honorably. Now, how is God going to judge those who have carried his name, uh, misuse his name? Only him knows. But I, I, I ought to be terrified every time I think about this commandment because I want to make sure that every time I engage in a, in a, in a transaction, whether it is a you know, social, a relational, a, a, you know, a business transaction, I have to enter that transaction in the name of the Lord and carry the name of the Lord properly. You see what I mean? Yeah, I do see what you mean, and oh. uh, yeah, and it's a—I mean, it's a great responsibility. But I think uh, we've lost sight of that as believers. Oh, I yeah. think a lot of believers have, have lost sight of um, uh, the the terror, if you like, in this commandment, because That's um, right. yeah, be, just because we've been um, we've become soft and uh, yeah. and we've we've gone into a more worldly space, um, right. and uh, yeah, we haven't really honoured the Lord as we should. Right. All right, well, um, we'll continue with this discussion uh, in a few minutes after we've um, listened to this song. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And uh, Samuel, uh, you've expanded on what we were talking about last week, but you haven't yeah. quite done the flip side of the coin, which is what you were talking about. You said there was another a flip side to what we've been talking about and uh i'm still really keen to find out what that is <laughs> right all right you're pinning me down so that i, I am don't pinning you escape. down that's exactly right that's right that's mm. right now if you read the new testament because this third commandment here tells you that they, everybody who does it will be held guilty um so this commandment it's not as though if you broke all the other commandments uh, you know, you haven't committed an offense uh, for which you are guilty. But this one, the third commandment, the reason why it was called the fearful commandment is because anybody who does this will not be forgiven. That's what it means. So I say the Lord will not hold guiltless. In other words, anybody who's done this will not be forgiven. Okay, so terrified, terrifying. Now, if you go in the New Testament, you find that Jesus has said that there's another sin, there's a sin, that is unpardonable. That can't be forgiven. Do you know which sin it is? Is that the grieving of the Holy Spirit? That is exactly. This is Jesus' rendering of the Mosaic uh, law, the Ten Commandment, the Third Commandment especially. Mm. Jesus' rendering of the, the the Third Commandment in another facet. So that, that was that was what I was getting at. Yeah. So if we open Matthew chapter twelve, we're going to read. It's verse thirty-one that I am after. But let's read uh, a bit of a little chunk. So we are looking at Matthew chapter 12. And uh, that particular section, um, we're going to read from verse 22. But let me just read verse 31, uh, because then, then I think, I think it'll, be, um, uh, it'll be a lot more um, interesting. Verse 30 and verse 31. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. So good. Are you with me? Are you following me? Yeah, okay. 
So I didn't ask you, are you there? Like you were far away. I'm just simply, are you following? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm following. I'm, I'm following. Yeah. You had just got right. a little bit quiet there for a moment. So I was, um, right. I was just adjusting. Right. Yeah. So verse 30, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and the slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Mm. Now, that is terrifying. Yes. That is terrifying. What is this exact sin? This blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. If you ask many believers today, your people will fluff around and they can't actually tell you exactly what Jesus means here. Like, what is he talking about? He's saying, well, you know, if you speak against me, yeah, you'll be forgiven. But if you speak against the Holy Ghost, well, no, not now, not even in the world to come. In other words, eternally, you will not be forgiven. And many people know that this is the unpardonable sin. Yes. So, what exactly is this sin? What is it? The way to uh, understand the sin, therefore, is to read the full context. You remember, never read a, a Bible verse, okay? Yeah, all by itself. Yeah. Yes, read it in context. That's exactly yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. So, let's read from verse 22. Then they brought him a demon possessed, the, 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 the good word there is demonized, a mm -hmm. demonized man. Um, mm -hmm. I'm reading from the NIV. It said demon possessed, but the normal is demonized. Yeah. So they brought to him a demonized man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? See, they are saying, could this be the Messiah? Yes. Okay, they yeah. were promised. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the point. So the Messiah was known by the Jews as a son of man, as, as this divine figure, the divine, you know, um, divine, uh, you know, figure, if you will. Okay, now, but when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, Beelzebub, yeah. the prince of demon, that this fellow drives out demons. Verse 25, Jesus knew their thought and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? But if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive out demons? So then, they will be your judges. But if, if this is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God came, has come upon you. Yeah. Verse 29 tells us that it is by the Spirit of God that Jesus drives out demons. Mm. And so verse 29, or again, how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his possession unless he ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house. Mm. Then it comes the verse 30 that we've read, 
and 31 and 32. Now, let me put the connections here to you, for you. Jesus has just told us that he cast out devils by what? By who? By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. He's casting out demons by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. What did the Pharisees say he was casting out demons by? By a demon called Beelzebub. By Beelzebub. By mm. Satan. Yeah. Okay. Now, put this equation together. Holy Spirit is working and the Pharisees call the Holy Spirit Satan. Yeah. Can you see? Can you see that? Yes. Think of the statement they have just made. They have called the Holy Spirit Satan. That's terrifying. It is terrifying. Mm. Think about the, the truth. Think of the one who is true. The one who there is no deception in him. The one there is no darkness in him. Think of the one who is holy, righteous, and being called darkness, liar, being called untrue, unholy, unclean, blameworthy. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The person who has looked at the works of God, knowingly knowing that these are the works of God, and yet, as I said, for their own purposes, that this is not the work of God, this is the work of the devil. That person has called the Holy Spirit Satan. Yeah. And I don't know if, if you sort of, if you understand, if you have, if you have one of your worst enemies, like somebody you wouldn't even want to be, to be represented as, right? Yeah. Let's say, for example, in our society today, people get upset if you you are called a racist, right? Because yeah. it's, it's abhorrent to be such a thing, right? Yes. Now, now think of somebody who would go and slander your reputation by calling you the most horrible thing that you could have been called that tarnishes your reputation forever in the eyes of people who saw your good deeds and he said no this person is a thief this person is you know it's like saying god is certain is unnaturable yeah given given the nature of the two beings yeah huh? yeah and and also within so that culture it, it is absolutely it's like sorry I was just saying within that culture, um, in, they would know yeah, the gravity of what they were saying. They would know, they would fully understand, the Pharisees, oh, yes. what they were saying. Yeah. And so yeah. the sin the sin is yeah. that deep um, that, that to save their own reputation, yeah. they, would, they would do that to God yeah. himself. It's just extraordinary. That's right. You can see it was not a matter of uh, whether... Uh, they could have been mistaken or they did not know. No, they were deliberate. <clears throat> Pardon me. How do I know they were deliberate? Many times they had an encounter with Jesus. Yes. One, once they came and asked Jesus, come on, you know, tell us, are you the Messiah or not? Jesus saying, okay, well, this, he knew they were trying to trap him. So he's like, by whose authority was John doing what John does? Mm. They pulled themselves on the side <clears throat> and they said, well, if we say that John, is not of God. We know that John is of God, and the people know that John is of God. People are going to kill us. They're mm. basically going to stone us. Yeah. But if we say that John is doing what he's doing by the power of God, then he's going to turn around and say, well, why don't you believe in me since John 
testified about me. Mm. So they're like, what shall we say? They come back to him, they say, we don't know. You can see that they were disingenuous. These people knew who he was. They were not ignorant. See, I don't want someone to go to go, oh, maybe I may have seen the work of God being done, and I'm going to say, well, this is the work of the devil, unknowingly, and then I've committed the, the unforgivable sin. No, not that. It is when there is deliberate tarnishing of divine reputation for one's own benefit and interest. Mm. And, and look, this, this, is, this is what we see, though, currently, isn't it? The way that the church yeah. is being vilified in, in the community and the way Christians are being called bigots and um, oh, all, all those sorts of words, um, which mm. are, are blatantly untrue. Um, but but yeah. there's this whole cultural push. The enemy is really pushing for for the gospel to be shunted sideways and for people yeah. to no longer really hear the truth and not accept yeah. actually the truth as something that they want to live by, but they want to live by uh, the falsehoods yeah. of the enemy. Yeah, but you see, that sin there, that's the sin against the Son of God. That's mm. no sin against the Holy Spirit. When the world persecute the church, it's like the word persecuted Jesus. They called him all sorts of names, that's fine. Like, you know, when, when Jesus meets uh, Paul, on a on a, on a uh, on soul on a road to Damascus, he says, "Why are you persecuting me?" Right. Yeah. So the church being persecuted is fine. Anybody who's ever done that can be forgiven. The sin against the Holy Spirit is deeper than that. Is somebody who's on the other side of the ledger. Somebody who see Jesus said to the apostles, "The Holy Spirit is coming. You will know him. He will live in you. The world does not know him. The world does not know him. No, because he's not living in them. Yeah. You see, so." It is those who are in Christ, those who are in Christ, people who are in Christ, who have received the Holy Spirit, then who go along and then say they see the Holy Spirit at work, then they say this is the devil. Right. It is the most dangerous thing that any believer can ever do. Yeah. I think we will have yeah. to sort of... I see what you, know, I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we'll we will... Um, yeah, we'll chew that one a little bit more after uh, after we've had a little bit of a break and we listen to this next song. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we're on the run to the finish, Samuel, and, uh, and you've really um, uncovered uh, that sin, that unforgivable sin, um, yes. that will really... Well, that, that's the one you can't come back from. Everything else yeah. God can, can can forgive you for, but this particular yeah. one you can't be yeah. forgiven for. And so um, what you see that the, uh, the fearful commandment here, uh, when it is not properly understood, people will will do things without without actually the fear of God in, in a sense. Um, I'll give you examples, for example. Uh, you know, Jesus was, you know, casting out devils because the context within which uh, Jesus says, has um, rebuked the Pharisees here uh, is a supernatural context. Yeah. So they watched him basically casting out devils. And, and suddenly they, because they don't want to accept that he is who he is, so they therefore decide to subvert the work of God the work of the Holy Spirit, 
and say that this is the devil's doing. Now, how do I see uh, a bit of uh, the uh, this particular commandment being broken in the church today, uh, which everybody should actually be terrified? Is when people have seen you, you can go across. You know, look at um, across men. I'm going to come down on some of our, our men, men stream, men line churches who have taken sometimes the liberty, uh, you know, even against what scripture teaches to hold some dogmatic positions that would be, I would argue, uh, an offense to the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. I'll give a few examples. Yeah. Most of our sort of, you know, conservative men, mainline churches, just go in there and see whether, you know, things like, you know, casting out devils within the, within the church service. Just like in the church service, if you, you you were there and you were part of that church, you start casting out devils and see whether you know that's going to be acceptable. Well, no, no, no. No, try, won't try, be try and, That's right. No. The minister of deliverance is basically died that is is dead by death by a thousand cuts. Mm. In all most of these churches, who who's talking about casting out devils inside the churches? Yeah, not many. Many of the secessionists, many of the secessionists are as bold as to say that even if they saw something like that happening. Which scripture says that it, Jesus sent the apostles to say, go, heal the sick, cast out devils, and so mm. on and so forth, raise the dead. Yep. But once they see that, and since they can't walk away from the theological commitment that these things have seized, you can hear them muttering to themselves, no, that can't be God doing it. All this is maybe by the devil. I know books were written about speaking in tongues when the Pentecostal movement started. Uh, book, books were written to, to try and, and say that the speaking in tongues was the devil. Yeah. This was the devil. Yeah. And that's regardless of the fact that uh, speaking in tongues is spoken of in Acts chapter 2. We know that tongues that were spoken there was intelligible. There's no problems. Uh, people actually understood what they were saying. And then you go all the way to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and Apostle Paul started to talk about tongues. He says the person who's speaking in tongues doesn't understand what they say because he's saying mysteries. Mm. So they were intelligible tongues and uh, the tongues that were unintelligible to the mind of the speaker but it didn't mean that the tongue didn't have a meaning because the bible says that god understands them yeah and that's why these tongues can have interpretation yes right and so books were written to say tongues of the devil of the devil whereas we know that it is the holy spirit who gave the tongues gift that apostle paul writing about the gifts in first corinthians chapter 12 says that the gift of tongue was the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of workings of miracles, the gift of healings, you know, the gift of prophecies. Yeah. Many of these mainline churches don't, don't even accept the gifts of prophecies anymore. No, that's right. They say that all this stuff is to, no longer relevant to the church today. That's exactly right. Mm. So they could, even if they, I used to think to myself, if they see somebody who was actually, this gift was so prominently acting, they would Let's go, you know what? It may be mistaken. Now, there are some of the who are part of the conservative uh, churches who are starting to come, come around a bit. But there are people who are so staunch. I heard, for example, I'm, I'm going to cite the name, name some MacArthur saying, well, tongues of the, of, of the devil. He, he, he literally said it. Okay, no, I didn't quite said, catch. What was, the, what was the name of that person? Sorry? John MacArthur. Ah, oh, okay. He's a yeah. reformed. He's a, yes, John yeah. MacArthur. He's yeah. adamant. In his opposition against tongues, mm. so 
I, I say people like that need to be terrified by this particular commandment. Yes. Because that's the flip side of that commandment. If you are in Christ, you're in the Lord, and you see the Holy Spirit at work, and you write a book that says it's the work of the devil, you are in big risk of committing one of the unforgivable sins. Yeah. So this is my advice to the believers. Whenever I come across the work, if I read that the Bible actually says these things can happen biblically, and and I say it and I'm not sure, I'd rather zip. I'd rather not say anything. I'd rather go, Lord, if that's your work, let it be your work. See, Gamaliel was very smart. He told the, 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 the Sanhedrin, look, if this is not of God, it'll it'll fall flat after yeah, it'll a while. Fade away. That's right. It'll die off. But if it is of God, we may be fighting God here. Yeah. So we need to be careful. Yeah. And that is nice. If you find, especially many people who attack the, the, the Pentecostals, they, I, I asked someone, tell me, on all the points of orthodoxy, which point of orthodoxy that you can say that the Pentecostals They couldn't. From the dignity of Christ, from the Trinitarian nature of God, from death on the cross, resurrection from the dead, the second coming of the, 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 the Lord, you know, salvation is by, by, by grace through faith alone. So people will have all this point of orthodoxy line, but just because they, with casting out devils, speaking out prophecy, therefore they're happy to say that those works are works of the devil, putting themselves at risk of committing third commandment and committing the unforgivable sin. So yeah. everybody who hears these particular talks need to be very, very, very careful. Very careful. This is the fearful commandment commandment okay well we're going to leave it there for today um anyone who would like to uh have a bit of a listen back to this um the life fm we it is on the uh, the life fm website as well as a podcast and uh if you want to ask us any questions please uh have a look at the website for a reasonable christianity.com it's dot au isn't it samuel dot com dot au dot com dot com yeah, just .com, um, please send us a message and uh, we'll be able to answer your questions. But otherwise, we will see you all again next week. Be blessed.